Hail and well met. Welcome back to Self Evident. My name is Eliana and I'm here with Kenna Rose, Jenna, Bryn, and Alyssa. And today we are going to discuss the importance of voting and why it matters um, and really go through kind of what the Bible says about it and why it's important. So with that, I think let's start off with Jenna. Uh, what would you say how do you think voting relates to the Bible? And and what do you think the Bible says about voting? What is the biblical defense for voting? Well, for America, we've been given the wonderful gift of self-government. I've been able to talk with a lot of Christians across Illinois. And the one thing that I ask them, because this is the organization that I work for, um, I ask them if they're interested in politics or public policy. And the majority of them are like, no, thank you. I am so good. And then I ask them if they'd like to hear a biblical response to why they should be interested in public policy and, and politics. And the one question that for some reason I've never really gotten the right response to is... Um, who is in charge of America? The one, the one response that I always get is, oh, the president. Uh, oh, no. Oh, Congress then, right? And so you always have to backtrack and let them know, no, it's we the people. That exactly. is the first three words of the Constitution. Um, so for America, it's a stewardship matter. We are the stewards of this country. We are the ones who run the government. We're not choosing people to lead us when we're voting we are choosing the delegates that are going to represent us because we are the leaders how are we doing with that that's you know that's that's an interesting question and I think it's one that we all have to kind of ask ourselves and think like I think it's such a lie for the church of America to look at politics and think of them as something that only brings strife or something we shouldn't be involved in like you know separation of of church and state yeah. yet and it's a very very big um i guess even it's it, it can be even be a big misnomer in in the way that it sounds like w- churches should have nothing to do with politics right but then when you actually understand what church the separation of church and state is then it brings to light a lot of this so what would you say the separation of church and state means um when thomas jefferson penned that phrase of um, separation between church and state, he did not mean that the church had no dealings with the state. What he meant was the church is protected from the state. Um, It goes the other way. It goes the other way around. It's not to protect the state from the church. It's to protect the church from the state. Church is supposed to be involved in politics and policies, and that's what we're going to get into as we continue this episode. As Jenna was saying, the rights that we have in this country of being able to self-govern ourselves and the stewardship that we have in voting, we as Christians are called to exercise that stewardship, to have dominion over the earth as the creation mandate in Genesis 128 says. And so when you think of the idea of separation between church and state, like I said, it's not to protect the state from the church. It's to protect the church from the totalitarian state. Yeah. And so So in light of all of that, we can really see that a lot of the power behind the whole mantra of, oh, church and politics have to be completely separate. A lot of the power behind that actually gets taken away when we realize what the original intent and the original meaning of that phrase is. So regarding that 
in fact, the church should be involved in the state. We can look at some of the verses that backs that point up, like Galatians 6.10, which uh, states that as much as it is up to you, do good to all people. And one of the ways we can do that as Christians is using the ability of self-government to vote in people that will do good to all people in our country. Uh, Another reason is we're salt and light of the earth. And so if we're allowing legislation to be passed that corrupts our culture, for example, with with the state legislature passing bills like uh, the Parental Notice of Abortion Act being repealed or um, the recreation of marijuana, if we're not voting people in that will stand for what is good, which uh, is another, I think it's in Proverbs, when the wicked are in power, the people groan, and then when the righteous are, the people rejoice. The people rejoice. So that's also playing into doing good to all people. You want people to be rejoicing instead of groaning. So absolutely, put some people in that we will be able to rejoice over. Another reason is we are supposed to respect the uh, authorities that are given over us, and in America we are our own authority. We need to be putting people in that we can actually respect and there's a difference between i think also because people use the chapter about honoring the emperor a ton to kind of say against like you know being involved in politics and it's like there's a very big difference between honoring and listening to everything that somebody says right and they have they had a different culture back then as well they didn't live in america america we are the emperor right and we have the right to abolish a government if it's no longer serving us or ultimately serving god and if we're not and going back to um the purpose of voting is to put in people that will represent us and so if we are putting people in that pass bills that harm our neighbor that's the second greatest commandment you know love your neighbor as yourself so if you're putting people in power that will destroy your neighbor we're not salt we're kind of allowing culture to devolve around us and so we're really worth nothing more than to be trampled underfoot exactly exactly and so with that we can see exactly why it's important for us to be involved right and so then i guess the second question would be is like what would a christian's role be in government and uh yeah kind of what do you think like what's a christian's role in government i mean the idea of whether or not Christians even have a role in government is something that's been debated for years. And before again answering the question, I just want to add that a whole bunch of my research was done through Wayne Grudem's book, The Bible According to Politics. It's an excellent book, and so I highly, highly recommend reading it. And much of what I'm saying comes from there. So a good way to answer the question of whether or not Christians have a role in government is to look at Scripture. Um, There are several stories in the Bible of believers, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, influencing the government. Daniel was appointed to one of the highest offices in the land, and he spoke boldly to Nebuchadnezzar about biblical morality in Daniel 4.27. He told the king, Therefore, O king, let my counsel, counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. So he spoke boldly to the king about biblical morality. Esther, Queen Esther, spoke to the king about a corrupt law. 
Old Testament prophets frequently spoke to kings about God's law and what they should or shouldn't be doing. Exactly. Like you think of Pua and Shifra, the midwives who defied Pharaoh's orders and who, instead of choosing to kill these babies, they chose to let them live. And like that was a direct disobedience to the law that was above them, you know, and and they did that because they knew it was right and they were following God's what God decreed. God's law is higher than man's law. Absolutely. And there are some New Testament examples too. John the Baptist spoke out against the evil things King Herod had done, and when Paul was in prison standing trial, he reasoned with Felix about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment in Acts 24, 24 through 35. Not to mention Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 through 13 through 14. And then, you know, there's some passages in Psalms and Proverbs. Talk about what God's design for government should be. And the thing to think of is, how will governments know if Christians don't get involved? It's kind of like other passages that speak about morality. They're meant to instruct, not treat and go, oh, come on, I wish people knew this. (laughs) Without Christians, the government would have no clear moral compass. The idea of right and wrong would be based on a sense of something faulty. To... Quote specifically Wayne Grudem's book, Politics According to the Bible, the moral standards of God as revealed in the Bible are the moral standards to which God will hold all people accountable. If God's people don't speak up and stand firm, those advocating for complete and utter madness will get their way, and people won't know what God's moral law is. That kind of plays on to what John Adams once wrote in a letter to his son where he said public business has to be done by somebody. If wise men refuse it, others will not. And if godly men refuse it, others will definitely not. It is a vacuum and it needs to be filled by something. It is. It's so true. And you think of another thing from that Wayne Grudem book was saying government can't exclude religion because it it fails to distinguish the reason for the law from the content of the law. And so if the wise people who who understand what the reason for these laws are or refuse the role of public business, others won't. Yeah, you can see that right now in Chicago with um, the Safety Act being passed and people saying, well, I, I don't I don't see a reason why we need to punish criminals. Wh- why? Exactly. I mean, What's the justification behind that? Why are these bad? Why, why is stealing bad? And we see a deconstruction of the entire moral system as you start to turn away from God because really that is the only place that we can place our morals in confidently and when you start to turn away from that and when you start to not see God as the ultimate authority then your morals in every area of your life start to crumble and you no longer have a foundation and we're really seeing that start to happen exactly I mean Ali Bestucki wrote I think it was on one of her Instagram stories it was a really good like Instagram story (laughs) about like the reason why you have to have a foundation in terms of being involved in politics. But she said, everything's going to be dominated by a worldview. The question is, which one? Not whether, but which. Right. And another point I have really fast before, I know this is a lot, but um, if Christians were only to do jobs that were focused on preaching the gospel, Christians would only ever become missionaries or pastors. And as it is, God has placed believers in pretty much every profession. Yeah. He said to take dominion over all of life. That is in every sphere. Christ is Lord of everything. Exactly. That Whether includes you, politics. Uh-huh. Exactly. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And our ultimate purpose is to be giving glory to God in no matter what sphere of influence we find ourselves in. 
The gospel is applicable to every area of life. And just because something's controversial doesn't excuse believers from talking about it. Yeah. I mean, the gospel is considered incredibly offensive. Or even just getting involved in politics in other ways, too. Voting as the minimum, but also praying for our leaders, as 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 12 tells us to. And even getting involved in more intense, so to speak, ways by writing pamphlets, donating to candidates who will uphold biblical morality, and sometimes running for office. Yeah, exactly. Because if we begin to remove ourselves from politics, it opens the door for moral decay, for culture Mm -hmm. shifts, and it inevitably changes the direction of a government that honors God, which America used to be. Exactly. And so we've covered covered a little bit about this, but I think to go even further, a little bit more further into depth, uh, Alyssa, why would you say policies matter? Well, a common pushback that Christians give against involvement in voting or government in general is that it's just politics. Politics doesn't matter. Politics really isn't my wheelhouse. However, this is very untrue. Politics does matter because policies matter. And policies that are put in place affect people. And in this day and age, Christians need to be involved in the voting arena specifically as politics has become a battle of evil versus good. Look at the other side of the aisle, the horrid policies that are being pushed by them. Transgender ideology, homosexual agendas, abortion up to nine months, allowing criminals into the country because of loose immigration policies. The list goes on and on. These are all things that Christians must oppose, as the opposition doesn't come from mere opinion. Scripture itself rises up against these evil policies. Liberal policies say that marriage can be between a man and a man, or a woman and a woman, or whatever you want it to be. Scripture says that marriage is between one man and one woman in covenant. See Genesis 2, 18-24. Exactly, and I think that's also why it's so important to know your Bible, right? Because Absolutely. if you don't know your Bible, then you're going to, you're going to be left completely to instinct, which in a lot of times... God has written the his law on our hearts and we a lot of times we do know that but we've also seen that it can be warped it can be messed with and it can be it never completely goes away our conscience but it can definitely be deadened which is why it's so important to have um, the foundation of understanding what God's word says and what he tells us to do yeah absolutely that's why there's a the entirety of Psalm 119 that's dedicated to saying how good it is to know his statutes and his laws. Absolutely. And scripture has more to say about these liberal policies. Liberal policies say that gender is fluid. Scripture says that God made humankind male and female. See Matthew 19.4. Liberal policies say that abortion is a woman's right to choose. Scripture says that abortion is a heinous act of murder. See Leviticus 24.17, Exodus 20.13, Revelation 21.8, Genesis 9.6, and Proverbs 6.16-19 to name a few. Liberal policies say that maintaining safe borders is a humanitarian evil. Scriptures say that the governments are put in place by God to administer justice, mm-hmm. punish evil, and protect good. See Romans 13.14 and 1 Peter 2.13-14. According to an article by Decision Magazine entitled Politics, How Involved Should Christians Be? The article makes a very good point when it says, There seems to be an assumption in some circles that politics is inherently defiled, and that political involvement is inappropriate for those serious about the gospel. This view fits into what theologian Wayne Grudem calls the do-evangelism-not-politics approach to civic engagement. 
Adherents of this view suggest that Christians should exclusively focus on sharing the good news and discipling others in the faith, because Jesus' final command was to make disciples, Matthew 28, 16-20. In other words, because political engagement does not lead someone to faith in Christ, it is not considered a top priority. However, upon closer examination of Scripture, this objection fails to account for a broader perspective of politics— one that incorporates how people order their lives and affairs and the reality that the Christian worldview has much to say about civic responsibility. Moreover, the objection does not consider the responsibility Christians have to steward the blessings and opportunities entrusted to them. Because voting is a matter of stewardship, Christians living in a constitutional republic should seek to vote in a way that honors God and advances the well-being of their neighbor." Wow, that's a lot of really good information and really good truth. Absolutely. And as Ali Beth Stuckey says, politics matter because policies matter because people matter. Well, I wanted to comment on what you were saying that Christians um, shouldn't be involved in the public square. Uh, Well, there is a prime example that I don't think we brought up yet of when the Christians were, uh, the Jews were exiled in Babylon. Uh, God told them that you are going to be here for 70 years so you're going to marry you're going to be given in marriage you're going to be in the world but you're not going to be of it you're going to participate in the marketplace you're going to build houses you're going to grow food and you are going to thrive where i have put you so we are supposed to be in this world we are supposed to be participating in um you know trading and getting married and uh, having families and houses there is there really is no excuse for us not to be voting weren't they told to seek the welfare of the nation they were yes put they into were as well and was it wasn't it daniel who was the cupbearer or is it that was nehemiah oh. Dan- daniel was an advisor to the daniel, king yeah daniel yeah. was an advisor mm-hmm. one of his closest exactly and so ultimately i think policies matter because we should be fighting for truth right when we fight for truth we're basically fighting for certain policies and for certain things to change. And yeah, I, I really appreciated that quote that um, policies matter because people matter. And so then it's like, why do people matter? And Bren, what would you like to say about that? Yeah, so there are, if you look at the Bible, there are many, many verses that talk about why human matters. There's that verse in the Bible that says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. And that's Matthew ten twenty nine to 31. And then there's also the verse that says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our like- likeness. And that's Genesis 1, 26. There's also, oh, for one more, there's the, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Psalms 139, 13. And this is just... These, those are only like three verses of why people matter. People are created in God's image. We are made, God made us, first of all. God would not have made us if we did not have a purpose. Yes. And we were made to worship God. And that that's our purpose. That's why we matter. Yes. That's our number one thing we're supposed exactly. to do. Exactly. Glorify then, him and build the kingdom. Yes. And yes. I also wanted to mention on what you, the, the verse you referenced with, every time a sparrow falls to the ground, God knows. Well, I remember there was this Corey Ten Boom reenactment where she referenced that same verse. But we all think of a sparrow falling to the ground as, you know, someone, one of them falling out of a tree. And that almost never happens because, you know, they can fly. But she referenced that every time a sparrow falls to the ground, that actually means 
whenever they hop because that's how they move. They they move by hopping on the ground. And so every time a sparrow hits the ground, just like that, with every little bounce of the step, God knows. And so if God knows every little tiny step of a little sparrow, imagine how much he thinks and cares for you. Definitely, definitely. So and there's cool. also that verse in the Bible that says, for I know the plans that I have for you. Um, what was the rest it of that? It was Jeremiah. Yes, yes plans Jeremiah. to prosper you. Um, and that verse, it just shows God has a plan for us and he has a purpose for us. God, as I said earlier, would not have created us if we did not have a purpose and if we did not have a reason for being on this earth. And it's just so important. And, and us as people, we need to also realize that we need to love our neighbors as ourselves. We need to think, okay, there's this bill that's being passed that would maybe not affect me, but it would affect my neighbors and it would affect someone I loved or someone I knew. And that's one of those things where it's like we need to think, if my vote can change that, there's multiple. there's been multiple elections where it's been won by only a couple votes. Or exactly. bills. It's been, it's one of those things like if this is going to affect my neighbor, I, just, I should still vote in it to make sure that they're safe and 100%. that they have security. Me, it reminds me of a poem written during World War II by Pastor Martin Niemöller, who wrote, first they came for the communists and I did not speak out because I was not a communist. Then they came for the socialists and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. It's the idea of kind of doing for others what you would want done for yourself, even if you don't agree with their viewpoint. Do unto others as you would want them to do to you. Exactly. And at the very least of all of that, we as people, like you mentioned, we are made in the image of God, and we matter because of that. We have intrinsic value that has been placed upon us because we are made in his image definitely and going back to that last point that i said about doing to others even if they don't treat you well you have to think that this person even though they might be mean or even though they might not be the best person they're still made in the image of god and everyone is sinful and everyone is broken and that is why jesus that's why we have jesus that's why he had to come and die for us because we could not we could not pay for the sins that we have committed and we just have to know that even though we may not like them, they're still created in the image of God. Amen. Amen. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> We're both thinking it. All right. And so with that, let us firmly rely on the protection of divine providence. As John Adams said, public business, my son, must always be done by somebody. It will be done by somebody or other. If wise men decline it, others will not. If honest men refuse it, others will not. Heed the call. Go vote, and if you're looking for more information on who to vote for and why, you can check out Illinois Family Institute's Voter Guide, which we will leave a link to in the description of this podcast. Thank you for listening. This is Self Evident.